Hello and welcome to Juggling Podcast number 26. I'm recording this in Berlin uh, and next to me is... Nathan. Yeah, my brother, Nathan, who, as he's my twin brother, he, he's got exactly the same voice as me, so hopefully this isn't going to be too confusing for anyone. So, what are we doing here? Well, it's been a long time since the long last podcast that we did. It's because uh, Polo and I have been mad, uh, very busy working, doing quite a lot of stuff, and then we went to the Berlin Convention, and we we're going to do an updated sort of like kind of... Uh, cool sort of convention report and I thought well Nathan's going to be there for part of it so we'll be able to have a lot of fun there. The thing is well both me and Polo were a bit ill but the Berlin convention went really well. Nathan you were there what do you think of it? I was there for some of it and what I was there for I enjoyed it was it was good fun. Uh, highlights from the show? The highlight for me was the uh, the guy the French guy who rolled around on the stage for no apparent reason covered in um covered in talcum powder and when he landed on the floor like this big puffs of talcum powder came up it was awfully awfully bad and so therefore that was my highlight you actually picked out your highlight as the as the, as the worst act or the least enjoyable act yeah but if i remember back in a few years time that is the act that is going to be sticking in my head now I, I really liked um trespass and what's his name from finland the, uh, uh maxim maxim from finland i really enjoyed him and luke wilson was brilliant as well yeah, that was all cool. Yeah, the thing is, it was a good show, but I'd seen like all of the acts except two acts before, and the two acts that I hadn't seen before, like one of them was the French guy rolling around on the floor in talcum powder. He was like doing contortion and juggling at the same time in a thong, and uh, sometimes I don't want to see contortion by guys in a thong. But that was uh, that was quite interesting, but a, a good show overall and a, a very good convention. The thing is, like I said, me and Polo were um, quite ill through uh, most of it. And then last night, no, two nights ago, Sunday night, I got really, really, really ill. And so um, all kinds of funny things going on my body. And uh, so that's why me and Polo didn't record anything. Anyway, so that's why there's not been a, a podcast for a while. Another piece of news is, oh yeah, uh, we talked before, uh, I think it was on the last podcast or a few podcasts ago about, about Murphy's Law and uh, how to design your juggling routine that uh, nothing can go wrong. Me and Polo, we did a gig and we were booked, uh, we normally uh, booked to do a uh, theatre shows and this time we were booked in a lounge and the ceiling was very, very low and the, uh, the sight lines were very, very strange, so much so that we were performing on ground level and the seats were at ground level so all you could see was sort of like this window, um, little window of, 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 of sight lines so, and we had to do our full 45 to 50 minute show there and it was a bit strange so I did actually uh, re-record some music, edit it down and we managed to put on um, what we call our low ceiling set and which is the art of juggling cut down to about three minutes and things like that. How, how does that differ then when you when you have to do it low scene? Do you just have to drop a lot of tricks? I mean, not drop, I mean, like, I mean, cut a lot of trips. Well, say in my Diablo routine, I have to, um, well, I actually introduce my Diablo routine as like, this is one that I'd normally do with high throws. And then actually I say, when I do this, pretend I'm throwing it really high and clap accordingly. And it works, you know, it's just something you have to be really cheeky with and just tell people normally, you know, juggling fits well on a stage, but here I'm going to do it in widescreen aspects you know it's just some 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 lines that we had to come up with as the show began the way i actually said it was when i came it was on a cruise ship gig and I, I went on i said oh when i first arrived on the cruise ship i went down to the theater and it was fantastic huge big thing and i was oh wow this is going to be great and polo's going wow this is really good stuff and then this technician comes out and says who are you and i said well we're, we're luke and polo we're jugglers we're going to do a juggling show down here and they say no no you're booked in the in the other theater and that was it you see so we had to go down and i actually said that at the beginning of the show and uh, it got a big laugh uh, and people giggle because actually when you're on a cruise ship people like comedy and things like that about 
life on a cruise ship and they and and they like the references to cruise ship life anyway that was uh pretty good what else uh, have we got here uh yeah um Oh yeah, the the interviews that we we're going to get at the Berlin Convention. We did get one really good interview, which is going to be out today with Trespass, and uh, we were aiming to get more interviews, but for various reasons, timing issues and things like that, we didn't manage to do it because me and Polo are actually organising different parts of the convention as well. So we only had Saturday free to do the recording, and that was the day when all the artists were on stage and things. Uh, get the shoot. They do want to do um, an interview with us, but they're. The, the thing is that Florian from Get The Shoot is a complete perfectionist and he isn't sure that he can do a good interview in English, even though his English is, is perfect. I mean, there's no point about it. Just his, uh, he says, oh, no, it has to be exactly right. Or he does want to do something for the podcast, but he's not sure what he's going to do in the end. Uh, Maxim, well, we've got some interviews booked with him at the EJC. Looking forward to that. So, um, yeah, let's get on to some quick feedback and corrections and things like that. First up. Uh, this is just feedback that we got in the in the four days after the last podcast about three weeks ago. I've got loads more feedback since then. But uh, what's that? No, I don't need to read that one. Oh, yeah, here's one from someone called Lucas. He says, in the last podcast, in the one about juggling balls, if you didn't download that, check it out. It's quite fun. He said that you can't commercially, you know, buy commercially made underfilled balls. And he says, actually, in the US, in the United States, there is a di- distributor called The Bag Lady who makes um, underfilled balls called rag bags and sag bags. Um, so you just check out the thebagladyonline.net and for all of your underfilled, um, soggy, um, juggling ball needs. I think that's the way that's it works. in the US, but they might, they might post worldwide. You know. I think they won't post worldwide, but that's the thing with, um, with, with juggling balls. Uh, if you buy a set and they're not quite right for you, it doesn't really matter too much because they're only a few, a few dollars each or a few euros each, except if you're getting saggy underfilled balls and you want to get 12 of them. I guess the price can go up a bit. It's not just like buying a set of three. So uh, what's this uh, thing that someone wants to talk about in fashion juggling tricks, which is a great topic. Uh, this was one saying about uh, juggling with heavy balls, and I actually recommended juggling with heavy balls to improve endurance training. And he says, repetitive strain injury. You didn't mention it at all. You should give a warning. Okay, there's my warning about repetitive strain injury. Sometimes some people who juggle some heavier balls do get repetitive strain injuries. I'll get like aches and pains in the wrist, Nathan. Yeah, so what's his alternative for using very heavy balls then? He says put uh, weights on your wrist, but that's fine if you just want to have sort of like some kind of training, weight training as you're juggling. But if you want to improve endurance, it doesn't actually help because you're not training like your muscles, you're actually training muscle memory. So if you don't actually have the action of throwing and catching those balls, you don't train the muscle memory, you just train your arms going up and down. So that's what I think that's what martial artists use when they do training. They put weights around their ankles, around the wrists, so it actually trains the muscles, but, but they're not actually throwing the weights. They're just yeah. they're just you know, they're just moving their arms and legs around and I think it works for, for those kind of things, for like martial arts and things. So yeah, again, watch out for repetitive strain injury. It can be a bit of a a, a bit of a bitch. But uh, I only actually worked with. Make your own. They don't cost very much at all. You just get some tennis balls, fill them up with coins, uh, and they can be a big, big benefit. But like, keep it short term. You know, don't work on them for month after month after month. Just try it out for maybe a week, two weeks, and you'll see the improvement straight away. And then you'll think, oh, I don't need to do this anymore. I've improved loads. Yep. Thanks, Joseph, for that point. Yeah, that was Joseph who sent that one in. Oh, that's from Ivan Purcell. He had stuff to say about the WJF that I'm not going to go into because it's boring. 
Also, one from a guy called Luke. He says that in our um, interview, uh, we in our interview with Stefan Zing, he said, "Be honest," and we actually brought that up about his last performance that I saw in the Toulouse convention. I said it didn't look like he was being honest. He says he probably was being honest about another side of his personality. So don't just discard it straight away because it's not the nice, um, nice Stefan that we saw. It was actually he he was he could have been being honest, but just a, a different part of his personality, which is actually a good point. We didn't really. Uh, didn't really bring that up at the time, but uh, that's something to think about. Uh, and there was another piece of feedback that I got from a guy called Jack Calvin. And Jack Calvin used to work with, uh, as in a duo uh, called, I think, Clockwork, with Rick Rubenstein. And in the interview with uh, Charlie Dancy that we did oh, weeks and weeks ago, uh, I said that um, Rubenstein's, no, Burke's Barrage was named by the guy who wrote one of the books. And that's not actually true. It was actually Rick's Rubenstein who was named by George Gilson, who wrote the uh, the uh, what was it called? Beyond the Cascade book. So um, that's that's a bit of a correction from the guy who used to work with the guy who invented Rick's, uh, Rubenstein's Revenge and the guy who taught Burke's Barrage to George Gilson. So a little bit of uh, juggling history for you there. Yeah, keep that history straight. We don't want to to get these facts warped in the minds of the listeners. Really, I know it's it's, it's sometimes it's sometimes very important. So I think that's that's uh, all the feedback that I'm going to do now. Uh, but keep sending in the topics that you want to talk to us about. There have been some very interesting ones. After the interview coming up, I want to talk a little bit about in fashion juggling tricks, which was one of the topics people talked about. And I thought it would fit specifically well because the interview that we're going to do with do now uh, playing now is with Trespass. Uh, and Trespass were the uh, popularizers and pretty much the uh, the inventors. Well, maybe not the inventors, uh, but they really did develop the uh, vertical Diabolo. Uh, just took it to the next level and brought it to popularity as well. In especially well, just around the world, it's now one of the like the things that you do with Diabolo. So um, let's uh, go to the interview now and talk about some in fashion juggling tricks afterwards. So enjoy this interview. So we're at the Berlin Convention. The show is, is finished, and the uh, headlining act of the Berlin Convention. There, sitting with us, it is of course Trespass. So, hello, Roman. Hello, Harold. And Ella. Nella. Yes, hello. And uh, Nella. <laughs> Nella. Yeah. That's Petronella is your real name. I prefer Nella, though. Oh, sorry. I always thought it was Ella. All this time, everyone, I've always misunderstood <laughs> that. So this is one of the things that I said. I'd edit out, so I don't look quite so stupid. Anyway, so uh, <laughs> first things first is that everyone says that you're a French diabolist. Let's cl- get this cleared up. Uh, you've got a French-sounding name, but uh, of your of your of your act. But let's see where you're actually from. Actually, I'm from Switzerland. Yeah. Yeah. I'm from Germany, but our company is based in France. <laughs> One part of the company, because, yeah, that's the story for afterwards. Okay, we'll get onto that in a bit. So uh, so first, let's just go back to the beginning of Trespass and uh, you, you guys starting out as jugglers. So could you just tell me uh, quickly sort of uh, how you began to juggle and how you started diabloing as well, and mm. also how you met? That would be great. Oh, I started Diablo it's now quite a long time ago, I think. Uh, it was uh, was born in a small village in Switzerland, and there somebody brought maybe ten diabolos, and nobody knew how does it work, and so I took maybe two weeks to just hold it on a string, <laughs> and so the next step was maybe uh, around an arm, and so that was already a big big trick, mm-hmm. uh, and then I just 
played all every summer a little bit Diablo and uh, some years later I met some street performers and at that moment it was clear that uh, that's what I want to do. So uh, roughly when was it that you actually started meeting these street performers? Uh, when I start, maybe I was uh, 13 and then uh, I was, I think, 20 years old. Okay, so it was quite early when you started, but then it was... Uh, you did, you did, then it was that when you decided, ah, I want to be a performer? Yeah, it took a little bit this time. Okay, and uh, Nella? Um, well, it's kind of, the beginning was kind of uh, similar because my parents brought a Diablo when I was like eight years old but it was one of these tiny diabolos and I, I was so pissed off after a while because nobody could do it and I didn't know if I I didn't find it funny because yeah, yeah if you don't know how to play with something then after a while you would just put it away and then I started juggling actually juggling balls and when I was like 14 or 15 but just just like that never really seriously just like some three ball things and and actually when we met it was in Dimitri school it's a physical theater school in, in the Italian part of Switzerland this is when we met and actually right before that I had seen in Cirque du Soleil I had seen the, the four Chinese girls doing their Diablo act I didn't really particularly like the act but um, I really was so amazed what you could do with this Diablo and I was, was that the first time you'd actually seen Diablo done to such a like a high level yes totally totally before yeah as I told you before I, I didn't really have an idea what you could do with it and then later I saw people doing in the streets like throwing up and catching but I was totally amazed like that they did the trick like around their back you know, like circling around their their back, and I was like, "Oh shit, I really want to do that." So this this physical artist theatre school, because you, I guess you both independently thought, "Yes, I want to be a performer in some kind of you know physical uh, uh, way." So tell me a little bit about that, and then uh, and how you started working together. Uh, just cool. Uh, oh, is that too personal? <laughs> no, 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 no. Just uh, <laughs> to sick a little bit. <laughs> but uh, before, uh, as I told you, I met the street performers, and then quite fast, I start, uh, I started to perform. And after one, two years, uh, I had the feeling that I need something more. Yeah. And then uh, I thought about schools. Uh, what would be the right thing? if it would be a circus school or more uh, physical theater and then was the, after a while it was clear that it's more physical theater than a circus school because uh, throwing a ball and catching a ball I, I can work by myself and to throw a ball or a diabolo it's it's a movement yeah. and so there is more this approach through the movement yeah. that I need to learn and all the aspect of going on stage what you want to do on stage and all these things. So you're saying that you 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 have some of the skills, but you wanted to you know present them much more in a in a, in a fluid style, or is it just you know just a uh, more artistic? I'm just wondering how you you know you got there from you know throwing a diabolo and then with the movements on stage. I mean, of course, a lot of people would have seen you moving on stage. How did you develop that style, sort of like the the movement that you actually do with the diabolo? Uh, there's also a strange thing about the school. Before I went to the school. I had all, uh, already the Diablo act, and it was much more about uh, a theater, much more uh, through a character. Really? Yeah, and through this school, that actually is a theater school, 
um, how I could say uh, you sort of you pared it down a bit and then concentrate more. It's more to be just natural, pure, yeah. simple, and just work about small dynamics or tensions between uh, you and your object, the mu- music, the space, and in the work into the relationship between us, how we can create or develop uh, a relationship through the Diablo. Not just two characters, and the, these two characters, they perform the Diablo act. It's more how it works together. Cool. Uh, Nella, how, how long have you been performing together? And when was the first time you actually performed together? Um, well, hmm, I think that was like four years ago. Yeah, something like that. And we, we started talking about that when we were in the school together. And, uh, but it took quite a long time until we finally like, really did it because there was also a certain uh, fear about it that because we're in a relationship as well. So uh, that we thought, well, maybe it's not so good for the relationship <laughs> if we start working <laughs> together. <laughs> and um, so it took quite a time until we took the step. And it actually really started... Um, well, when did it start? Yeah, it was 2000. like... 2000... 2000, Ooh, 2000, no, 2001, I think. I don't know. <laughs> well, that, was, that would be actually six years ago, so it can't be true. Well, I don't know. Well, let's say it was like 2002, so yeah. it was five years ago. <laughs> <laughs> to split the difference between those dates, yeah. Uh, and when was the first time you actually performed uh, with, a, with a, like, I guess, with a two-person Diablo routine? That was, like, the routine, like, our act as some people know it or um, this was four years ago it was for a show in, in Paris we created that act together and by that time I was still in circus school I did a circus school after Dimitri school I was in Chalon and but um, so I actually left school and we, we built this act because because we had the offer to, to perform in this show and then we thought well that's a good possibility now we really have to create an act and it was for a circular stage actually it was in a, in a tent huge tent and then we thought okay but if you perform there the act should really be for 360 degrees and it actually was quite well that by that time we had developed quite a bit already the horizontal or genocide or I don't know how many oh no Excalibur well let's get onto that yeah because you say that you're doing it on a circular stage and that makes sense because you can walk in a circle and with a normal Diablo it's very hard to turn you know you always either face onto the audience or sideways onto the audience but with the uh, with the uh, vertical or I call it vertical you call it horizontal um, uh, vertical vertic- Excalibur uh, Excalibur Diablo you can actually keep turning as well so how long did you actually work on that before you performed it because I first saw that at 2004 at the EJC and I think it was on the French and Friends show or something like that and before then I'd only ever seen like people trying Excalibur nobody had actually got it and you came out and did like a full show based around it so how long did you actually work on it and uh, before you're performing it for the first time <clears throat> pretty much like one year I would say but really and at that time we were like not really in the same place because I was in the circus school and Roman was in different projects so we knew we kind of had this thing of like bringing about up to the horizontal plane and uh, and then we just each one of us started doing tricks but like while being separated and um, so when we got together again each one of us had made progress and it it like 
was a big motivation also. But there was also a little bit this kind of competition thing in there, <laughs> which sometimes is really good because I mean it makes you. Fun. So who's the best then of the, with, the, <laughs> with the horizontal dialogue between the two of you? Eh, wrong question. <laughs> well, oh, there's still the competition. Still, still the competition. There. Um, no, I mean, I think there is really, especially with this horizontal thing. Um, each one of us has its speciality and its trick, and not we don't work like everybody ex exactly the same thing. But yes. Roman has his thing, and I have my thing, and so there is, I think, quite even. Actually, start already a little bit earlier with uh, so this certain ways of doing uh, Excalibur, yeah. but not really to hold it and play it like that. Uh, just more tricks with the Diablo's just in a short time in a string and then take it again with the hand and yeah. just working with the strings that was already two years before okay so that's all this kind of movements and uh, yeah but then to really uh, hold it and play it then we took maybe one year of really well, it was a fantastic show, and, and that I saw, and it, because it was such a big audience, it really did change uh, diaboloing as well. Because then everyone's doing vertical diaboloing. Even I do a bit of vertical diaboloing <laughs> in the show now. Uh, so uh, let's get onto some of the other uh, other shows. You've got like this longer show that you're doing, and you've got a, uh, a musician. Um, tell me about a bit about that show and developing like a uh, like a full length show. That's uh, also a long story. Uh, he did uh, actually the same school as we did. What's the name of the musician? Uh, Misha Blau. Okay. And we met at the Dimitri School. Yeah. And then after the Dimitri School, we made together uh, in 2000 the, with the Cirque, Cirque Monti, mm -hmm. uh, a circus in Switzerland. And there already started to, to, make, uh, to make the music for the Diablo okay. Act. Yeah. And then we were a little bit separated in different projects. And then we started actually for our Earth first thing we did together, Nella and me. It was already a project with him together for a festival in Bristol. We created a 20 minute show. So maybe you should mention that first uh, Misha and Roman, they, they worked like in a duo. I Misha do. accompanied the uh, Roman's act. And like the first time we did something, the two of us with Diablo, was also with Misha, and that was for this festival in Brussels, which is called C'est du jamais vu. That was in September, and we had like four weeks, like of really putting a something together. More. A little yeah. bit more, but like, but well, not six, really. Six like, weeks. yeah, okay, well, okay. <laughs> I g I'm going to teach you guys to count in a, in a while because you <laughs> you're not working with these dates and times very well. And so there's like a long history there as well with yeah. with you I'm working with a live musician. Maybe you have seen it in uh, Bremen. No, I didn't. Uh, I haven't. 2002 was it? The duo trip we did it there, on the. Actually, yeah, I do remember seeing that now as well. Yeah, with the yeah, I yeah. do remember. Yeah. Yeah. Was that just with Diablo though? That was just Diablo. Okay. So, but in your longer show, do you work just with Diablo? Or do you put other circus skills in it as well? No. As a as juggling up props, there's just Diablos. But you and how long is the show with just it's Diablos? One hour. Wow, that's a lot of a lot of Diablo. That's amazing. But, but there is a lot of moments in the show where it's getting really, really quite simple. And yeah. well, actually, we don't want to say too much, right? No, now don't don't say it. Don't don't say it. No, if you don't want to spoil. Yeah, they yeah. should come to Paris. We're gonna perform there in October and November. It's on our website. 
um, and for sure we're not doing like juggling as we do it in our act for one hour yeah, because God. this not even jugglers I think would <laughs> would like uh, like it like one hour long but so there are different moments of where it gets really simple and quiet and yeah, so it's cool. I saw I saw like a, a thir- was it thirty five minutes that you did at the Toulouse juggling convention with like a few months ago, and I was absolutely blown away. Is it that si- same kind of style, like that's taking the diabolos and uh, you know breaking them up a bit? That's really different Toulouse because yeah. every did really a, a different approach. Every said so. Now we're gonna create really six different parts, or maybe the uh, the number was not so clear in the beginning, yeah. but just some parts really clear in a different tint yeah and you left and the stage each time after yeah. you finished it yeah and uh, the show Le Cercle that's really different because it's really one show that's one thing leads to another goes to changes and yeah. uh, the stage and there in, in, in the Cercle we, we always we are always on stage and let's say technically um, there are of what you have seen in Toulouse there you will recognize a lot of things ah, okay. from so some of the routines are similar yeah some of the okay. routines are similar but let's say the whole style style is different because what you saw in Toulouse there was yeah always blacks yeah. in between and it was kind of sober and uh, in the one hour show it's more the aesthetics that you yeah. know from our act it's more fluid and sure I saw the I saw the publicity you gave me the, the flyer as well it looks uh, looks fantastic you were yeah, going to say something yeah but that's for a one hour show maybe you think then uh, before you do a great reel the show think oh there yes yes we can put all our stuff in the show <laughs> but at the end you, you see that a uh, lot of things you don't can put in because after a while it's getting too technically too much based on the tricks and so yeah. it's mind. it's really a different thing to create a one hour show than a uh, uh, that's cool. Yeah. Don't uh, let's uh, just move on. There's a, f- a few other things. Um, how many Diabolos do you own? <laughs> Actually, no. It's a, no, this is another counting one. Again, I about I, numbers. Yeah, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll leave that. That wasn't. That was. That was a, a, a listener <laughs> question. That one. Um, so, uh, t- tell me a little bit about you. You don't just use normal Diabolos. You modify them. Now, don't give away how you modify them. But um, do do anybody like when you perform with these like modified Diablos? Does anyone say, "Oh, but that's cheating"? You know, you should just work with normal Diablos because you know I work with a, a Diablo with a bearing hull. You know, so uh, bearing, hub. Sorry. So um, uh, with the yeah with the bearings in it as well, and people go, "Oh, that's cheating." But for me, it makes it lets me perform in different ways, and it's a lot easier. So, uh, what do you think about that? And you know, and how and how did you develop these these new Diablo uh, uh, additions? I call them. <laughs> I uh, I never heard about. Oh, you're cheating! No, no, no. nobody said that no. ever. It's mostly that people are kind of like rather surprised what else you can do with the Diablo, and then they are mostly asking, but but how do you do that? And and what's like how the how does the Diablo have to be that you can do that? But it's more out of an interest and not not like yeah oh yeah you're cheating or you you yeah cheating cheating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it starts actually my uh, life before I was remember how do you say it in English mechanic mechanic you were so, mechanic yeah so turning and then you know. obviously you actually make them all yourself you were you're a machinist yeah, yeah otherwise it would be quite impossible if you yeah. don't know if you don't have the possibilities to try out and yeah. <laughs> and it's now maybe uh, 
since to know more and more. Yeah, like more for this final version. Yeah, so for three or four years we started to create the first thing with just a long accent. And after a while you, you see that uh, you have other possibilities. Then uh, if you make maybe this like that, <laughs> then you could do that. And so yeah, it's it's all, it, it, it mixes in with the, like the spinning top moves in there as well. It's fantastic. Yeah. And the problem is that like I fulfill like the typical cliche of a woman who is not really <laughs> uh, capable with techniques and stuff. But but he's always showing me like the the, the, the drawings that he made for like, you know they like inside. the secret <laughs> inside and I like go like yeah mm -hmm, okay well <laughs> I can't really imagine that. So he always goes to his old uh, working place and he he constructs it and does it and and then we start like working with it. But I personally I couldn't do the like the construction work on but it. it's also because you have to uh, these knowings about mechanic and technical things you get also the ideas to do different things yeah, yeah. <laughs> to start to think also in a way ah, ah, ah you have the idea ah, if it's starting ah. yeah well that's cool uh, let's just get on to some of the some of the last questions here as well um I, no, no, what's that background. oh yeah you yeah you you say you yeah good question Paula you say your you, your background is as a mechanic and a machinist as well ah. so Ella, Nella sorry do you have a another background or you just sort of go straight into performing no actually well when I was six years old and I, I wanted I always wanted to do circus yeah. but then you know I thought later I lost track of that because I didn't even know that there were circus schools or something yeah. and then uh, uh, well I come f from a quiet academic you say that like that background. yeah background so everybody in my family is kind of university <laughs> so I first thought I would do that as well I was really interested in architecture and then but after school I went to first to Argentina and to the USA and I traveled a lot uh, because I yeah I wanted to figure out what to do in life so I finally met Cirque du Soleil and um, then I was okay this is what I want to do Okay. And they recommended that school in Switzerland, and then I, I I had juggled and moved always, so it was quite in this moment it was quite clear this is what I want to do. Yeah. Well, that's fantastic. Just uh, like say some of these last questions. Um, uh, who were your big heroes when you began to juggle, and who are your big heroes now in the juggling world, in theatre, and in, in just in general? Do you have any heroes? Heroes. Hey. <laughs> In the beginning, I didn't knew jugglers, no. so I didn't have a hero. No. <laughs> I had the four Chinese <laughs> yeah. juggling girls from Cirque du Soleil, yeah. and yeah. And then Jochen uh, Schell, because he's one of the the first who ever did real real Diabolo, and yeah. uh, he, he had done a great work. Uh, I was never so like this kind of heroes there I want to go or I had never also in the work I had never this thing ah that's the place where I want to be okay. so always uh, I do things so oh, ah it could be also like that so there was the never one step. there was never I one huge inspiration for you then it was always step by step yeah and then uh, sure you you meet some people and then yeah, it gives you uh, or things you see uh, as Maxim but First time I've seen later a little bit actually yeah. in the beginning for me it was kind of the same when you do the school you s start right away like working a lot with yourself and they always uh, ask you to create things yeah. um, not n not with juggling or anything else but 
but you always have to within this formation you have to uh, you have to create things and this is I think where also this kind of research thing comes from because from the school you're kind of used to it like yeah. every month you had to do kind of a presentation and then you I don't know yeah. and with the Diabolos was mostly the contrary yeah. the, I, I liked to, uh, to play Diablo but often I've seen it on stage and then I was oh shit why I do Diablo if I don't really like it on stage Ah. And that this was also a kind of a motor, motor, motivation, a motivation to to find a different way to use it, yeah. because it was always so fixed. You stay there, you have these sticks, and one diablo, two diablos, then maybe after a while there were three diablos. But it's uh, limited, and yeah. how you can use with this different. And sometimes uh, I had also really stops that I didn't practice anymore diablo. Mm -hmm. But this was also important because after a while, maybe if you don't do it, you get different pictures or different ways. Ah, I could do it like that, or it was so a way over many, many years. And I think part of um, this education, which for me at least was really important, that in the beginning I kind of thought the same. If you want to bring something like juggling on stage, you have to put it with a character together. But when you start like dealing with theater and and getting to know these kind of different ways of expression then you realize that you can also work in the abstract or just through movement and it still works you don't really have to hold in to a character which with juggling is anyway difficult because as soon as you put some higher technique in there it's really hard to continue like really go with your character but for me this education really helped me to to dare to go on stage and just like don't play something but go through movement and just find okay what is the Diabolo proposing to me and what kind of movement is the result on that but yeah but to, to be like kind of okay it's enough to do just that I don't have to play a character to make it interesting okay. and that for me personally was really important an important thing to learn there well that's cool um so uh, we mentioned uh, this as a question as well. I think Paula said as well. How how you you say you you work together and you uh, I guess you live together and you're a couple. And um, I, I was just wondering, um, just off the top of my head, you know, like when you're washing up at home, do you sort of like one of you hold it and then the other one gets the gets no, the soap? Yeah, yeah, and then the other one, and then the other one, like you pass it across, and you sort of balance it on the foot, and then it comes back, and then you pass it under the other one's leg. Now I was just wondering, you know, just you, I don't, I don't know where this is going. I don't know where this is going. <laughs> yeah, they're on the ground, everything broken. This is why we only have plastic dishes. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> no, because uh, Polo asks, you know, you, you may be wanting a family in the future. Because me and Polo, we sort of live together and work together and stuff at the same as well. So, uh, uh, what was your question? I can't remember. <laughs> I, I can't really remember it. It's just like, how do you plan, like, having a family and combining it with the work? Because you work together, so you can't say, oh, one is just backstage <laughs> looking after the child or whatever. And I'm just wondering, like, because I'm thinking about that and I have no idea how to do it. Well, first of all, I think you cannot really, like, know it before it has happened I mean everybody is saying that that before you can never imagine how that could work and I think well yeah we also think about family and stuff 
but um, like we see uh, we, we see other artists then when we work in cabaret shows or something and they just bring the kids backstage and and it's such so incredible what these kids can already do I mean they they take the balls they juggle and they are really flexible because they see a contortionist and, so they, that, and <laughs> they mostly speak three languages because they hear it all the time and I think this is rather cool for a kid to have uh, such yeah such such an influence after uh, I don't know how, how you deal with like bringing them to school and giving them kind of steadiness um, which I think is also important but well it's not like really well, just juggle <laughs> <laughs> well we are not quite at that point yet so <laughs> well it just gets this final question that is like I say the one that we always ask people you know have you got any final words for all the people listening one piece of advice one message or anything to all the, all the other jugglers and diabolists listening to yes. this don't only go to the internet and watch what the others do and <laughs> copy it but yeah just uh, find your find your own thing work on your own stuff and try to find your own way of expression because anyway people will go afterwards and say oh this is uh, the style of Stefan Zing for instance or whatever so I think it's really important that taking time for something bringing out the, the unique thing of everyone and Roman? Slightly bit in the same direction, don't care what the others do. So if there is anybody doing five Diabolos or... Uh, find your own thing and go your way. Do half a Diablo. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah! <laughs> okay, well, uh, Roman and Nella, thank you very much. It's been a really great interview and uh, yeah, thank you. Thanks. Thank you too, it was fun. <laughs> I'll catch you guys later. And good luck with your family. <laughs> yes, <Yes>. good. <laughs> Welcome back, I hope you enjoyed that interview. Um, Nathan, did you enjoy the interview? Um, well, you refused to give me a back massage, so I, I didn't listen to it. Oh, okay, well, thanks for that. Let's just, uh, uh, very interesting interview as well. I'm, I'm sure there's, uh, uh, we'll have quite a few questions and things like that, an email response from, from uh, people who listen to that. So just want to get on to know about uh, in-fashion juggling tricks and the examples that the guy in the email said were things like, let me just uh, just bring it up here. Um, he says, learning blind behind the back, behind neck throws and catches, reverse back crosses, and uh, alberts with clubs, etc. He says, you often talk about general juggling things, but never specifically about juggling itself. So let's just talk about a bit about that. Um, Nathan, do you know anything, uh, any in-fashion juggling tricks? In-fashion at the moment? Yeah. Well, um, I did see uh, quite a few guys at the Berlin convention doing this um, blind behind the back kind of tricks. Yeah, like they were, the yeah, and um, and then but then blind in front of the body and then blind kind of at the side of the body and people were just standing around juggling but not even looking at. I've seen people standing around talking before but juggling in front of them but never just just standing in a cline with with the balls juggling behind the back or in front of them and just and just chatting and stuff it, it did seem a new development i don't know if it's a berlin thing or if it's uh, if it's just something that's in fashion at the moment 
Well, the thing is with these inch fashion juggling tricks, it doesn't have to be like a worldwide fashion. In Berlin, the thing that you do is uh, passing. Of course, everyone does passing, but then takeouts and the chop about and the walk about and all these different things. Uh, and that comes directly from uh, the, the fashion in Berlin, which is doing all that kind of stuff as developed by get the shoe and uh, and uh, take it out before that and all these other people. And it's what you do. And now, and now because get the shoe and take it out have done so much of that over the past say five six years on stage it's become a standard thing to do i mean me and polo do like a whole routine with that kind of stuff and it's just what you do if you're putting together a passing routine now you you do the takeouts you do the steals and the, the, there's actually a how-to guide so if you want to if you've got a trick if you've got a trick and you think, I want this to be the next fashion, I think this is probably a better way of approaching the subject. Uh, how do how do tricks become in fashion? Well, let me let me use the vertical or horizontal dialo, as the guys called it in the interview. Uh, I think it's definitely vertical axis rather than uh, horizontal. Um, anyway, so uh, what happens is that nobody did that at all. Maybe one or two people tried it. There's a guy called Andy P in in the UK who who used to do this thing where he'd, he'd balance a diabolo on his head, swing this stick around, uh, the string around, like in a in genocide kind of thing, and catch the diabolo off his head and get it sort of spinning for about three seconds um, vertically. But that's about all he could do. But Trespass actually came up with this technique, developed it for a long, long time. And the reason why it took off straight away uh, when they performed it in 2004 at the juggling convention, like the EJC is because they had it as the basis of a routine like it was just a it was just a part of a routine and it was so pronounced it was so big in the routine that it was obviously just something that you can do a whole routine with now if they'd have done like a whole diablo routine had just done some vertical diablo at the end People would have seen it and went, oh, that's obviously the hard bit. But it wasn't featured as the hard bit of the routine. It was just part of the routine. Also, because it was on such a big stage, lots of people saw it. And all of the new Diabloists had been to a convention for the first time. Like 5,000 people were at Carvan and maybe 3,000 people saw that show that evening. And for all of those people who that was their first ever Diablo show, which could have been quite a lot, or the first ever like high-level Diablo skills that they'd ever seen, for them, Vertical Axis Diablo, Excalibur Diablo, was normal you know they would go along there that's what they would see and that's what they would do and I think it takes with vertex it takes a bit of a mindset because when you do a diablo um, normally horizontal axis you you always face the same direction you always keep it facing forward whereas when you do vertex you have to move around and you actually have to well to, when you're learning you have to actually turn your body and um, and they show that on stage. They actually walk around the whole stage facing every direction, which is a bit of a bit of a change. But I think as mentioned in the interview, uh, was it okay? Yeah. So I, I don't know. I didn't listen to the interview. I'll listen to it when it's uh, when it's broadcast, um, podcast. And so um, yeah. So you. But once you've seen that, and you say, oh, okay, it's okay to move around that way. You you know people will pick up and then carry on doing it. But the thing is, it has to be something that people can do. And the great thing is about vertical diabolo. It's just a concept. It's not any more difficult than any other juggling trick it just hadn't been seen before so it needs to be something that's simple or a simple concept that people can pick up quite quickly and now anyone can do it you know with just a few minutes practice um it when i actually started learning it, i thought i'm just going to learn it and it took me about an hour to get it solid and then you know i actually performed on stage a few days later because i was doing some diablo routine and it has to be something uh, like that it's the same with sight swaps as well it used to be that everyone when they started learning juggling they would just learn you know they'd learn three balls and maybe three clubs then they'd learn mills mess and all these other tricks now you're much more likely to learn 441 before you are mills mess or maybe not much more likely but 
you know, it gets to the point where site swaps are just so common because, you know, so many people do it and everyone coming into juggling, it's like site swaps are just what you do. Unlike when I started getting into juggling where site swaps was only what people on the internet did, that, you know, people learn five, you know, 531 or 97531 before they'll learn three club back crosses. So now everybody's on the internet, so... Well, it's not that everybody's on the internet. It's just that it's taught at so many juggling conventions. You know, it's just, it's one of those things. It's it's just another part of the juggling language. The the other thing as well, oh no, that, that's pretty much it really because uh, in fashion tricks that I thought would, um, people would be interested, some of them just don't catch on at all and it's like one person does it and I think, oh, everyone's going to do this as well. Um, but also it has to be something with like with a prop that people can use like tennis ball and can juggling is really interesting and you can do a lot with it but not many people just have tennis balls and cans so that was a fashion for a while but then fell out of favor whereas i think these other tricks will be in in fashion a long time yeah and then another another thing that you shouldn't do if you've got a trick that you want it to become in fashion don't have it as a as a single prop that people have to buy to do your trick for example um, oh, I, for example, I, I've seen somebody with these, um, like these cup things, which you have to, I forgot what they're called. What, volcano balls. Yeah, volcano balls, that's right. And um, they're never going to be a fashion because people actually have to go out, buy them, give you money to learn your kind of style of tricks and stuff. So, so stick with the regular props or, or do something which is so easy, like, like you say, tennis ball in a can, which you can just get easy from anywhere. That's a, that's a good point. Yeah. So um, uh, yeah, and just use the regular props. Also, if you can, if you can't, if you can only do it with one kind of prop. I saw Maxim. He was doing this whole trap routines, and they're fantastic. And then it worked out he was trapping the wrong end of the club, which is only possible if you're using radical fish clubs because they've got that big fat knob on the wrong end. You you have radical fish clubs, don't you? Yeah, I won them at the EJC in Rotterdam years ago, and they've lasted me a long time because I don't juggle them very much. <laughs> so uh, that's uh, that's an interesting thing. You can only do it with that kind of prop. Yeah, with those, you can with the big fat things. You can also line them on the floor behind you and kick them with your heel like stamp on them with the heel but because they've got that big rubber bit there they, they fly up and you can catch them like anywhere but behind you um i'm saying you can i can't do it very well but i can't do it consistently but it, it's fun just if you drop a club to be able to like stamp on the end and it fly up in the air again yeah and it's that kind of thing with all these different kinds of kick-ups as, as well uh, people like you know, Jay Gilligan has, has sort of like uh, uh, done this thing that when you drop a club on the floor, you don't just pick it up, you throw another club at it and it bounces back at you. It's that kind of thing which in performance can become sort of like a, a fashionable thing to do. Uh, tricks that don't work as well if they're not just with the wrong prop, but if they're too hard, I actually thought, well, well I'll put out different stuff about squeeze catches and, you know, and it was in Charlie's new book and as like the piece on the, the DVD of the Gandinas as well. The thing is, squeeze catches are just really, really hard and you can't really see them very well on stage and I've got this all these different kind of tricks and, and I teach them to people and, and people just go well what's the point of that and it's this very strange thing maybe maybe in 10 years time squeeze catches would be as as uh, as popular as I don't know Mills Messes now I don't know exactly how it would work but maybe maybe there will be uh, uh, something like that squeeze catches just feel wrong though <laughs> they do they do feel wrong and that's maybe another part of backwards uh, the the trick I guess has to actually feel good when you do it yeah. Oh, one more thing. If if you if you're not going to be performing on the main stage at the EJC, which is a bit of a bit of an ask, if you want to get your, your no. But I'm saying for for popular tricks that are, are in fashion, that is the kind of that is the kind of venue that you need to do it. Or maybe at a like a, a BJC or in America the IJA convention and things like that. That's the kind of place. 
videos online don't do it. Maybe Wes Peden is, is of, of a level that he can, uh, his tricks are getting copied. But then I've only ever seen people like online videos copying his tricks and not people at conventions where, where most jugglers are. Yeah, but what I was meaning is that um, you, either you, um, you go, try to go worldwide with your trick or you just try to go to a very small, isolated juggling community and then you can just do it on a much smaller scale. And because um, I think when you went, the first time you went to, um, Israel in 2002 you said by the end of the convention there was a lot of Luke Burridge inspired kind of juggling. well yeah because I did some ring juggling workshops there and I could see people who had been to my workshop who had developed new ring tricks because it was like creative ring juggling and then they were teaching them to other people so quite a few people who were learning new tricks they were the in fashion tricks but also the year beforehand Luke Wilson had been there and there was lots of Luke Wilson inspired juggling and this year when I went there there was like people from you know who, who were there last year, like uh, the year before, like Trespass were there, was there. Matt Hall was there. Get the Shoe were there, and some other people were there as well. And these styles do come through. You do see them in sort of more of an isolated um, community like that. And it's very strange actually in Israel. It's because uh, also they'll hear about something or s- see something and then do it themselves and don't realize how hard it is. Or that's what the whole blind behind the back really took off there. Because some people saw videos of Dave Kelly doing some stuff and oh I'll learn that and didn't realize it was. Actually actually impossible and um, it reminds me of this uh, this story that i heard once of these guys in in scotland and it was when you know back in the like 70s when punk music came out and um they didn't they couldn't buy any punk music there because there was no record shops up there and it was like in the shetland islands or something like that they couldn't hear any punk music on radio because the radio stations that you could get there you couldn't hear it on there the only thing that they got was reading about it in the newspaper so they decided to actually form themselves a new punk rock band having never heard punk rock music so they actually if you listen to this music it sounds almost like punk music but just so not punk music in, a, in so many different ways it's just com- just completely wrong and that's the kind of thing that I found in Israel also in Australia as well people are doing skills and they're taking things in slightly different directions because they've only ever seen it and or they've not been taught it they've just heard about it or seen it and uh, I guess that's not much to do with juggling um uh, in juggling fashion in fashion juggling tricks but uh yeah it was quite interesting to see in these sort of like more isolated juggling communities but yeah getting less and less so with the uh, with with the spread of the internet and juggling dvds and things like that anything else to say about this topic nathan uh no not really i don't think so except that if just uh, if you ever see a new juggling trick or there's a juggling trick in fashion always just try and take it in a slightly different direction than, than what you've seen other people do. Keep, keep it creative. Or or not, just copy everybody else and, and go with the crowd. Yeah, I'd actually um, go against Nathan's advice there, or his first bit of advice is just do what you want to do, really. <laughs> if you see a trick that you like and you want to learn it, learn it. I mean, that's what I do. Uh, I do also, of course, develop different styles as well, but sometimes I just think, I want to learn that trick that I just saw someone else do, and it's that simple. Yeah, and the nice tricks will become popular and the ones that are a bit a bit crap but I actually think blind behind the back isn't a very nice trick but it's just I guess it just feels good to do the extreme of blind behind the back was that video I saw on the internet with that guy lying down doing blind (laughs) under his belly and it's just uh, search that one out um, because it's worth a laugh yeah it's from the guy from I think it's called Deep Juggling Project some Japanese guy and he juggles three balls and then he actually sits cross-legged on the ground and then leans all the way over so he's juggling three balls underneath his body. The thing is, if you just look at the end of the video, he's you just see someone leaning over, cross-legged on the floor, and you can't see the juggling balls at all. And you just see these hands sort of like doing motions down between his legs, sort of belly area, and it looks 
pretty weird. I have seen that video. Yeah, that that that's not going to catch on. That isn't going to catch on. And a lot of stuff on the on that on the deep juggling um, website isn't going to catch on because you can only do it if you're a freak. Anyway, so I think that's about it. Please send feedback for this podcast to Luke at juggler.net or polarbrendler at yahoo.com. I guess that gets through to Polar if you've got any uh, comments for her. Oh, she did get some feedback from the last podcast. Um, uh, someone said, you didn't say world peace um, and, and all hell broke loose or something like that. I can't remember what it was, but um, she does get feedback and she does very much enjoy it. Uh, and any feedback to Nathan at um, his email address n8ray at yahoo.co.uk anyway so um, if you understood that good luck oh yeah also I just wanted to mention some other juggling podcasts I said before that I want other juggling podcasts and not just the other jugglers on juggling podcast and one came out and it was a complete piss take of the uh, jugglers on juggling podcast and I thoroughly enjoyed it Nathan you want to? yeah it, it was a good laugh I, re- I really enjoyed it um it, it was the the interview with Aaron Greg was great when they were getting him mixed up with get the shoe and and just Oh, it's, it well, that was a piss take of, of the guys on the Jugglers on Juggling thing, getting them mixed, getting Aaron Greg mixed up with Get the Shoot. I don't know how they managed to do that, but they managed to do it. Um, but yeah, it was a very, very funny joke on Jugglers on Juggling's podcast. I haven't actually listened to that for a few weeks because, well, they keep recording it with, with left and one, one speaker in one earphone and one speaker in the other earphone. And I listen on a, a little MP3 player and I only ever listen to anything with one earphone in, so I just can't be bothered with them anymore. Um, and there was this other podcast that came out by Jay. Jason Garfield called the Jason Garfield show. I've not listened to it because it's not in MP3 format and it doesn't play on any of my players or any of my uh, MP3 players. So I haven't. Nathan, have you heard that? Yeah, I, I listened to it. It was very pro- professionally done. He's yeah. got he's got quite a few strong opinions and things. His, his co-host is good. Um, Who's the co-host? Um, I don't know. It's some some guy. I can't remember her name. Um, yeah, but it was a good balance between her love and his hate. It was it was a good, it was a good balance. It balanced it up. If it was just Jason Garfield's hate, you couldn't you couldn't manage it. Yeah, yeah. You put in words in my mouth, but um, you just did say that it was the balance between them. It was. Yeah, there there was a there was there was still a lot of hate there. I think he needs some counselling, unless that's just his stage character and he wants us to think that way. Yeah, so uh, so yeah, listen to that if you want. If you can get it to play, I can't. And uh, if he does it in MP3 format, I'll listen to it. But um, uh, so far, not much luck in that direction. So um, yeah, anyway, we've gone on longer than I intended here. Uh, Nathan's going to go off and see the, the polar bear at the zoo. Knut, Knut, the because wo- he's so cute. Uh, Knut's the world famous polar bear from Berlin. I've still not gone and seen it yet. Um, anyway, I've got lots of work to do here before me and Paula head off this in this uh, this next week on our big European tour and we're going to be away for about uh, seven, eight weeks. Hopefully we'll be keep recording the podcasts and keep putting them out over that time but again, like the last few weeks, we are going to be very busy and we can't promise anything really so um, hopefully more podcasts. Um, certainly we'll get lots more recorded at the EJC and after the EJC we'll have lots, lots, lots more interviews and material in that way but um Uh, Hopefully, see you next week, and goodbye. Yeah, you edit that down and stuff. Quite painless, yeah.